Star Wars, guys. Star Wars. <laughs> uh, speaking of Star Wars, do you want Darth Vader and Obi Wan to fight in the Kenobi trait or in the Kenobi series? Maybe for like a second. For a second. My my because I, mean, I feel like, I feel like it would make sense. I mean, like it has to. Like it has to. Yeah. But also. There's a line from episode four where he says, when we last met, you were the master and I was a student. So it's like, will will having them meet in the Kenobi series ruin that line? But also, is it important? Like, does it matter if they ruin that line? I don't know. I'm conflicted about it. I think, I think you kind of have to have them. There has to be a confrontation for like the entertainment value mm-hmm. and for, you know, the sake of like like the tension and stuff like mm-hmm. things have been building and like it's the first time they would have seen each other since they fought in mustafar mm-hmm. but i don't think it should be like a full-fledged fight because it also kind of it might ruin uh obi-wan's like perfect moment with darth maul where he just he smokes maul yeah like he just puts maul down he like rolls a dog. that man up and smokes him <laughs> and if if he could do that to maul then he he should be able to do that <laughs> to, 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 to Darth Vader. Uh, so yeah, I would like it to be scary, and I would like their like their confrontation to be like like they see each other across the way all the time, or they're like about to fight, and then something always gets in the way to like keeps pulling them apart. Mm-hmm. So I like would like the, that a lot more. Like the Bridgerton and Tent stairs. Is that what you want <laughs> from across yeah, the room? Yeah, and then they're gonna have sex. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. People are gonna write fan fiction about it gonna write (laughs) already happened (laughs) christy what do you feel are you a star wars fan christy i'm a fan but i'm not in depth in the lore so okay so you still you still enjoy star wars oh for sure (laughs) (laughs) hi friends my name is jesse harder and you're listening to tales to inspire While investigating Theodore Tusquin, Geiger Gwyn, and Torchbearer both run afoul of nefarious ne'er-dwells, neither of which the duo expected. Will these unanticipated entanglements distract the duo from doing what needs to be done, or is there still time to stop the machinations of the mad Professor Dusk before the rest of America and the world is threatened? As we open up this issue of Tales to Inspire, we see a little yellow box 
that says July 1945, Seattle, Washington. And uh, Christy and Phil, where where do we want to open this up? Do we want to open it up in the Natatorium, or do we want to open it up with Torchbearer chasing uh, Obifjord Guido von Viers? Where do y'all want to go first? Torch, do you want to go first? Where did we end it? It it ended with you seeing him going out the door, out the back, and you running towards him, and with Geiger Gwen going up and hearing kissing noises, and the chair turning around and it being Tiny Tim. So th- I think the, that was the, the, the last scene. Was, me was the, the end of episode was the the reveal of Tiny Tim. Uh huh. All right, let's pick up with Tiny Tim then. Okay, oh, no. you ready for that, Christy? <laughs> I mean, sure. Okay. <laughs> let's do this. <laughs> So we open up in this uh, lavish office with a plush red carpet. And there is this, uh, like one wall is a complete window that looks out over the pool. Um, And uh, readers would recognize this as uh, the very same window that uh, the Tussler was looking out of uh, whenever he gave... Geiger Gwyn, or I guess at that time Gwyn and Tim, the job to go to the University of Oregon. Uh, but anyways, uh, we see this office, and we see a desk, and behind that desk, sitting in a chair, is Timothy Tuskman, in trunks and a sleeveless white shirt, and there is a, a woman that was previously sitting on Tiny Tim's lap that has kind of been pushed up and away, and she is in her own bathing suit. Uh, and standing across the uh, desk from Tiny Tim is Gwen in a bathing suit of her own. But you have ditched the swimming cap. Um, or the swim cap. Swimming cap sounds weird. The swim cap. Um, but yeah, you are standing across the desk from Tim. And he has like all these like kissy red lipstick uh, on his face and forehead. Um, basically everywhere but his lips, oddly enough. Um, but he is sitting down in this chair looking up at you. Gwen, what the hell are you doing here? She just uh, tracks her eyes from Tim to the woman. She's like, you should probably leave now. She looks from you to Tim and then looks at you and makes for the door. I just, I watch her leave until she shuts the door. Mm -hmm. And then I turn back to Tim. Wow, you have not changed at all. He like kind of leans back in his chair and holds out his arms. What's there to change? Where's your dad? Away. Away? Yeah, I'm running the business now. (laughs) There's no way boss left you here alone. Hey, I could be running this place. That's, you're making me giggle. What are you doing here? All right. Cards on the table, obviously you know I'm not just going to let you guys do what you've been doing. What do you mean? Well, obviously, Tim, 
I, you know, we've got some history and I'm just here to put that to rest. But I've been with some friends of mine and we've come to the conclusion that you've been, you know, doing business with people you shouldn't be doing business with and bringing in really weird things that we just don't trust, so... So what, you and your friends are going to try to take down the Tuscamans? <laughs> now you're making me giggle, Gwen. I mean, you don't remember when I made you bleed? His eyes flush. Or his eyes flush. His, his He just starts crying. Stop bringing that up! Yes. Uh, we do not. His face flushes and he like stands up, his hands on the, the table. What, you come back for round two then? I mean, I walked away easy enough last time. If my dad hadn't showed up, you'd be dead. Where's your dad, Tiny? I'm not telling you a damn thing. Um, I'm gonna phase through the desk and walk straight to him. Okay. And, and as just get in his face. As you like start phasing through the desk, he I, I guess he forgot that you could phase. <laughs> and so like he like stutter steps back and falls into the chair. And I just lean over him, put my hands on either side of the chair, and just get like right in his face. There's nothing you can say now that will scare me anymore. Where is Tusklin? Christy, I would like for you to roll and examine. <laughs> Go ahead and roll oh, plus no. your investigate. Okay. It's like, that's like one of the single coolest images in this whole series so far. Just walking through this f***ing desk. Yeah. <laughs> the slow walk through the desk. Yeah. Oh, great. Um, that's a six. That's a six. Um, but... Ooh, ooh. <laughs> I don't know if I want to do it or not. I've got one more bond clock for Yes. <laughs> I mean, I feel like if it's going to happen, it's going to happen now. I feel like this was meant to happen. <laughs> I do feel. Okay, so I'm going to burn it to up it to passing 7-9, right. right? Yeah, 7 through 9. So you are burning your final wedge and your bond clock with tiny oh my tin. Gosh. Um okay, so on a seven through nine, I'm looking at the wrong move. On a seven through nine, uh same as a ten plus, but the EIC chooses one. Your investigation exposes you to danger. The answer profoundly affects you, marking addition or step a bond clock forward. Whoever or whatever you are asking the questions can ask you one question as well. You answer on the same terms, okay? So let me think about what choice I want to make out of those. But in the meantime, you get to ask me a number of questions equal to your investigate, a minimum of one. Uh, so how, what's your investigate score? One. Okay, so you get to ask me one question. No, I, I just want to know where Tuskman is. Okay. No, I mean, that's that's perfect. Um, okay. So, I want the answer to profoundly affect you. So, 
where is Tuskman at that would profoundly affect Gwen? Ooh. Like a place that is important to you uh, or your, your history um, or a place where uh, something bad happened that Geiger Gwyn was involved with? Like a working state? That's what I was thinking. Is he back at the university? Oh, interesting. Where I got my, had my accident. Ooh, interesting. Um, and you know what? This is so funny because like, we're just treating like the entire Pacific Northwest is just like, it all happens within 10 miles of each other. Because, <laughs> uh, in living in Texas with you. <laughs> it really does. It's like, hey, everything's like in the same state, isn't it? Um, you can totally get there in under an hour. No like, big deal. In a, in a Crystal Gazer and um, uh, Dr. Fusion's episodes, she was like in Hollywood and she was like, and then I go meet up with him later in Eugene. And I was like, that's like 17 hours today. <laughs> yeah, later later tomorrow night. Yeah, that would, you could meet with him on Monday night. <laughs> Uh, okay, but I like that though. I like that. So, ooh, like he's pulled some strings or something to be in the the very same university where you had your accident. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, okay. So you ask, where's where is he? Uh, he's in Corvallis. Corvallis. Something about the university. Um, she just boops him on the nose. <laughs> you want to tell me why he's there? I don't know. He he hasn't told me. He, he I don't just told you. me. <laughs> he hasn't told me. All right. He just told me to, to hold down the fort here, and he he went off with some some crazy dude with a glowing eye. I don't I don't know. He didn't tell me anything. Crazy dude with a glowing eye. That's yeah. That's what I said. Is I don't know. Uh. You're going to just see a panel of Gwen uh, having, like, the thought bubble. And she's just got, like, question marks in it because she's just trying to figure something out. She's like, all right. Thanks for your help, Tiny. She smacks him on the cheek. And I'm going to try to knock him out by throwing his head into the desk. Perfect. Um, (laughs) I'm not going to have you roll for this. Okay. Because we have seen... Geiger Gwen and Tiny Tim fight. We have seen their physical altercation, and we know that Geiger Gwen would have won if the Tussler had not shown up. So there's no really like mechanical stake to this, and I think like we've already seen this fight play out. You have won. So please describe for us how do you knock out your abuser? So you just see me smack him on the cheek a little bit. And she smiles real big. And she just takes both her hands, grabs him by the shirt, physically lifts him out of the chair. And she's like, time for you to sleep. She throws him into the desk and watches him slump to the floor. And then she starts walking towards the door like in a strut. And she's like, now to time, now time to find my torch. Okay. Uh, and Chrissy was it okay that I called him like your abuser. Yeah, I mean, that's 
exactly what he is. I mean, yes, but I just didn't want to hurt you. Um, okay, so we see uh, Geiger Gwyn walking off, and we turn the page to behind the Natatorium. It is your typical alley with the metal trash cans and trash littering everywhere. And we see Oberfjord Guido von Veers in his Nazi uniform, his black cap tucked underneath his armpit, walking down this alleyway. Uh, and we see that there is a car waiting for him at the end of this alleyway. Uh, we see the door to the Natatorium open up. Now we see Torchbearer in his swim trunks, feet bare, chest bare, uh, come out glistening, rippling muscles <laughs> into the alleyway. Um, and Torch, I think you look up just as you see Von Veers getting into the car. What do you do? What are you doing here, Von Veers? It's a long way from Germany. One heck of a wrong turn. I've got to look into this. I've got to see where he's going. Just try and sneak up closer to the car. Okay. Just trying to, rema- to remain unseen as he's getting into the back of this car. Yeah, yeah. Um, Go ahead and roll a sneak around. So roll 2d6 plus your maneuver. This is going to be awful. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's not. Oh, it's not. I rolled a 10. Nice. Yeah, so uh, you do it. So the car is going to peel out and kind of weave into traffic and start going. Torchbearer, how do you follow them unnoticed? Um, he'll kind of like lightly jog until he sees the the car, like kind of squat it down until he sees the car, like take a turn out of the alley back into, uh, into traffic. And then as soon as he clears it, he's like, and then he'll take a leap over onto a nearby building mm-hmm. and then hurry to across the building to see where he's going, like which direction. I like it. We have Just like looking down in traffic, trying to like pinpoint where he is. Yeah, I like it. So we have like a full page where it's just this continuous street with all these cars, but we see like von veer's car like weaving in and out of traffic in the same panel and up above we see like the leap lines as torchbearer is leaping <laughs> back and forth between the buildings like keeping up with this car um and you continue to follow them um, yes trying to trying to stay maybe like a block behind so it's not like super noticeable uh we turn the page from that to another panel that says Boeing Field, five miles south of Seattle. Uh, And we see the car pulling up uh, past the fence to this uh, small private jet that has already been primed and ready. Um, Torchbearer, how... um, there, uh, I mean, of course, there are like some buildings and warehouses around the. Whoops, Daisy, that's a lamp. <laughs> Don't want that falling down on me, folks. Um, I talk with my hands, and like nothing is safe <laughs> within a three foot <laughs> radius around me. I have three foot long arms. Yeah, maybe that's sure. Intense. Your Ooh. wingspan is your. I'm, your wingspan is your height. I'm Henry the Octopus. Um, oh, yes, that's. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, but I mean, it's it's an airport, so. 
uh, you would have to not be on any more buildings to get up to where they are if you wanted to stay close to him. Um, but you see the car pulling up to this private jet on the runway, primed and ready to go. I've got to do something. Looks like he's about to fly back to somewhere. Alright. I wish Gwen was here, but if I don't do something now, it might be too late. Can I catch him before he gets out of the car? Like, as soon as he, like, the car pulls up, me torch, like, comes down uh, behind the car and walks up to the door, like, right as he's trying to open it. Like, he has this, like, hand on the door and he's opening the door, and as soon as like, you just meet it with my hand and then shove it closed again. You absolutely may. So, we have a panel of the door opening up, and we see, like, a word bubble coming out. Avidas! And then we see, like, your hand crunch down on the door handle and slam it shut. <laughs> fancy meeting you here and he he looks at you through the I guess sure the window has been rolled down now uh, (laughs) and you see he has changed he is no longer in his Nazi uniform he is in just plain clothes Uh, and he turns around and looks at you ah the American torch bearer to what do I owe this impromptu acquaintance couldn't help but notice you're a long way from home. Mind telling me what you're doing here in America? I do not know if you have read much of this news, Torchbearer, but Germany is no home for people like me. After your assassination of Herr Hitler, his lapdog Heinrich Himmler took over. Hitler was a genius. Himmler was a nincompoop. His failures and his idiosyncrasies turned the public against us. There was a civil war, Torchbearer. Germany is no home for me. I just barely escaped with my life. But you know, and he like looks around the car and at the 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 cityscape around you in the distance. I have only been in America for a few days, but I think given time, it would be a hospitable place for people that share my ideas. I hate that you're right. (laughs) (laughs) What are you doing here? I won't ask again. Are you working with the Tuskmans? I have no secrets to hide from you. Yes, I am. What's the nature of this business? The nature was the Tuskmans needed uh, some equipment from a top secret project from the Alps. I provided it for them in exchange for my extradition. I provided the parts they needed, and now I have a one-way ticket to South America. What are they working on? That I do not know, Torchbearer. I only provided the pieces. I'd say I don't trust you as far as I could throw you, but we both know that's not true. I'm sure you could throw me quite a long way, 
I saw the damage you did to Ubermensch's body. I must admit I would not want to be on the receiving end of your fists. You can make sure you're not. We're getting out of here. And staying out of this. I would like nothing more. And just kind of reaches through the window and kind of like grabs grabs the door through the window, mm. pulls it off. <laughs> and throws it away. Mm. To like a ditch nearby. Get out of here. Make sure you find a nice cozy home in South America. Because if I ever see you again, I'll see exactly how far I can throw you. He steps out and he like brushes off the front of his shirt, makes sure the wrinkles are all out. And then he puts his hands flat at his side and tilts his head to you. Advance, Eo Torchbera. And then he reaches in and grabs a suitcase and a coat, and he starts walking towards the plane. Um, as he's walking, you hear, or there's a panel of a motorcycle coming up from the distance. And the closer it gets, you just see Gwen on the back of it, holding on to who's driving it. <laughs> and she just, he pulls up to a stop, she drop, she jumps off. Thanks, doll. You know, it's really easy to find a half-naked man running through the city. <laughs> yeah, as you're walking across the field towards the tarmac. <laughs> still in still in your swimming suit. Yep. Oh my god, I was on the back of a motorcycle in my swimsuit. I love it. <laughs> you are um, definitely making headlines. And what a scandalous pair <laughs> we are. Scandals. <laughs> um, but she starts walking towards Torch, and then she notices the plane and who's walking towards the plane and she's like whoa well we're just letting him go it's it's strange that he's here it's it's clear he's doing something he's helping the Tuskmans and somehow involved in all this business with Tussler and Duskowitz but he hasn't done anything yeah, but doesn't mean he won't. I mean, especially if he's gone. Uh, where is he going? We're not going to be able to get our hands on him again. He's headed for South America. Or so he says. I know he's off-putting and weaselly looking, but he hasn't done anything wrong. And we, we can't just punish somebody for looking at us wrong. I mean, we can't. Alright, fine. You know what? You're right. I got it. <sighs> this is gonna be hard for me. I know where Tuskman is. Where's he at? Well, he is where this life for me started. We gotta take a road trip.
Hello, friends, and welcome to Season 1, Episode 24 of Missed Conceptions. I'm your host, David White, and welcome to the mid-roll. I hope that you are enjoying this episode, enjoying the energy that Phil and Christy are bringing as Torchbearer and Geiger Gwyn, respectively, in this episode. These two episodes were very fun to record, and, uh, you know, Ned... Geiger Gwen and Torchbearer was like a pairing that I never would have thought would be like super fun to play with and tell a story about and well it was a lot of fun I, I had a lot of fun making these episodes and I hope that you have fun listening to them we have a few housekeeping things we want to take care of before we get back to the episode and up first we have our Patreon. As you know, we are fully supported by the generous monthly donations of our patrons on Patreon, and we are trying to get back to $400 a month. What can we do at $400 a month? Well, at $400 a month, we can afford to pay our performers $5 for every hour that we spend recording. That includes any guest stars that we bring onto the show, and I definitely want to compensate any guest stars we have uh, for you know taking time out of their busy schedules to help us make our show better. But right now, I cannot do that. In fact, right now, in the Misconceptions Banking Account, we have eight since let me repeat that number that was a dollar sign 0.08 cents in the misconceptions bank account i'm just kind of holding my breath until we get our influx of money for this month's patreon uh to kind of keep us afloat for right now um but we desperately need your help. If you listen to the show and you are not a Patreon, or maybe you were a patron and you aren't anymore, I beg of you, please consider giving to our Patreon. This isn't just throwing money into a pit. This isn't just some black hole. This is actually going towards making this show better and doing just a little bit to improve the lives of the people that make this show. I would love to do more. I would love to pay our performers more. But first, we need a sustainable income each month. So if you listen to the show, please click the link below and go give $1, $2, or $5 a month just to help us out and help us to get back to that $400 month goal. Right now, we have 26 patrons, and thank you to every single one of our patrons who give every month, uh, whether you're new, whether you're old, whatever. We thank you so much for supporting our show. We have 26 patrons, and we have $285 a month. And that's only with 26 patrons. Just imagine if we got 30 patrons or 40 patrons, what we would be able to do, what we would be able to accomplish with our monthly goals. Now, I feel like I have been just kind of banging a, a, a hollow drum. I've been standing outside of the city gate screaming and no one can hear me. I've been saying the same stuff for a couple of weeks in a row now. And so... I have talked to some people, and we have decided on some things, and I'm going to reveal who those people are and what the things we discussed are later on this month. 
stay tuned to our socials to see uh, what, what sort of incentive we're going to be cooking up on our Patreon to help us get back to that $400 a month goal. Uh, and if you are a patron or become a patron, you might get a little sneak peek preview of what that is going to be. And, you know, speaking of socials, uh, it seems like Twitter is, like, getting nearer and nearer, you know, encroaching its inevitable death every single day with the decisions of Elon Musk. Um, and so I just want to say, like, uh, where, where are we going? What, what social platform is everybody using now? I see a lot of people on Blue Sky, but, you know, there's only so many invites. Uh, I'm on Hive. Uh, try to open up a Hive account. But I just want to know, where are you fans doing all your socialing at? Uh, because, you know, if a large group of our people are at a certain social, well, I'm going to make a Misconceptions account there to keep you up to date on all the information that's going out. But, you know, before Twitter dies, and I just wanted to know, what are y'all thinking? Where are y'all going? What do you think would be a good social presence for Misconceptions to strike up? Well, that's it for today's show notes. Let's go ahead and get back to this very fun episode. And I'll see you again at the end of this episode. turns from there yeah and the page turns and and we see a little yellow box that says oregon state university and we see the familiar blocky brick buildings the uh manicured grounds and the trees um and where do we see torchbearer and geiger gwen i like i like to think that we flew here but we can do it however. <laughs> you mean you threw you flew here like princess carrying me? <laughs> carrying you however you like. Okay. <laughs> um, you just be on my back like a surfboard. I like it. Alright, so then you just see them just land in front of it and She's back in her normal gear, no longer in bathing suit. Yeah, <laughs> making yes. sure that's okay. Can't can't make that clear enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the OVA episode <laughs> is over. No. Um, and you see a panel of her just staring at the building. She's like, you know, technically, this is where I met Doc. We just never actually spoke. Doctor Fusion. Yep. I had no idea that you guys had met before. No, like I said, we didn't really say anything. This is a long story, but basically he was working on something that blew up because Tiny's an idiot, and 
Here I am. Tiny is... who? Oh, that's right. I never told you that story. Tiny is a mistake that I will no longer be making. I understand. Well... Hopefully, coming back here isn't too bad for you. She just stares at him for a second. You actually care. Well, yeah. Uh, Feels good. So, oh. well, good. Sorry, I didn't didn't mean to make things weird. I like it when you make things weird. And then she just grabs his hand. She's like, "All right, <laughs> let's uh, let's go find the big man. He's gonna have to tell us some. He's gonna have to give us some answers." Yeah, yeah. So, um, Gwen, before we go any further, let's do the mechanical effects of your examine move. Um, the answers profoundly affected you, so either mark a condition or step up a bond clock. Which do you want to do? Um, let's let's mark insecure. Okay. Because I got rid of Tiny, but the Tussler is the actual problem. Yes. <laughs> Like, in a fight, he probably could hurt me, so... (laughs) (laughs) Um, so, is it, um, like, is it daytime? Is it nighttime? Are there students walking around, like, gawking at these costumed superheroes walking across the the lawn? Uh, I would assume we went, like, after hours, or after classes would have been, like, let out. Okay, dope. So, we... We see y'all walking across the the field towards the science building, and we see like the moon hanging up in the sky above. Um, and Gwen, I feel you've already snuck in here once, mm-hmm. um, and you did so by getting past uh, like military personnel. Um, so sneaking past. Uh, his goons. Well, you know what? Let's go ahead. Let's roll a sneak around. Um, and rather than, I mean, I guess I could have y'all roll both, but that just kind of gets messy if one person succeeds and one person doesn't. Uh, which is likely to happen. I mean, (laughs) this is, this is true. Um, it has happened before. Yeah. So, Christy, I'll say, I would assume Geiger Gwen has taken the lead because she's been here before. She is a sneaky one. She grabbed Torchbearer's hand to take him there. Yeah. So, uh, Christy, why don't you go ahead and roll. Uh, Torch, would you have anything to help her with this? I'm going to say you don't have to because <laughs> I rolled a nine plus two. Okay. <laughs> and I like I like how the oh, sneaker when you read the sneak around it says on a ten plus you're good. Yes, you're good. <laughs> That's just what it says. Yeah. I love it. So Geiger Gwen, you're good. <laughs> yeah, you're good. Uh, why don't you tell us narrate Torch. for us uh, how do Torch you is just watching. Oh, Torch is just watching your sh- sneak by and he's just like wow. 
she's good. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, I'm going to just lead him towards where I know how to get in because that's where I got in last time. I'm like, all right, just follow my lead. And if there's any um, personnel or military there, like guarding like they were before, anytime that they get close, she's going to take the opportunity to... She's holding Torch's hand, so she's going to just camouflage them both to walk by. Um, can you do that? Can you camouflage both of you? I can, I can um, use my power on somebody else, but it's borderline. Mm, okay. Um, would you, yes, would so you like me to roll for that? Yeah, so it says you can phase with someone else, but we don't have chameleon camouflage with someone else. Oh, you're so right. So why don't you go ahead, uh, go ahead and roll a push. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and this, this is just 2d6 plus nothing. Oh, but I guess, uh, what do you think this would fall under? Simple, borderline, or difficult? Probably borderline. Okay. Probably. All right, so go ahead and roll. Nine. Nine. Okay, so on a nine. The answer's nine. <laughs> <laughs> no, nine is German for no. Um, on a seven through nine, you can do it, but the effort will exhaust you. You take one stress if it was simple, two stress if it was difficult, or three stress if it was borderline. So go ahead and mark three stress. Uh, and you cannot add it to your profile. So you do it. But you're not going to be able to do it again without rolling a push. And you also that take three right. stress. All right. So as as we're doing that, like the moment we get past all the personnel, she just kind of drops your hand and leans into the wall. And you see her kind of like stumble a little bit. She's like, oh, that, that I'm a little dizzy now. What happened? I, I didn't see anything. I just, uh thought I could do something that took a little bit more than I anticipated. Nope, it's fine. I'll be fine. No big deal. Okay. Uh, well, are you good to keep going? Yeah, just, uh, now we just gotta be quiet and make it through the lab because I'm going, I'm just heading where I think he will be. Okay. Keep your head on a swivel. You got it. I got your back. So she's going to still lead, but she's noticeably drained and <laughs> yeah. going slower. Yeah. Yeah, so you uh, you reach that same door that years ago you saw the um, scientist walking through uh, when you grabbed that coat and you slung it around yourself and walked in with this group of scientists. You come to this very same door and you open it. And you walk out onto this catwalk. Um, and it's it's so eerily similar to how it was years ago. But I think the machine is bigger. And in a way, more um, oppressive looking. The, the lines are more severe. Um, you know, these were... This design was originally created by Dr. Fusion, but now it has had... German engineering and so it just has this very stern and severe look to its composition uh, very villainous um, 
and you see these people walking around they do not wear protective gear as these scientists did a long time ago um but you see them walking and they have these crates uh, very similar to the crate that you were uh, fighting for earlier in the last episode um and you see them opening up these things you see them taking out objects like you see one is like this ceremonial curved sword in another you see a gun in another you see a book with a dark binding and weathered pages and you see these boxes being opened up and these items being taken out and they are being placed in receptacles around the machine and Torchbearer, as these uh, items are being taken out, you feel that same sense of unease that that mask emin- er, uh, emitted earlier. Yeah, this as we're kind of gazing at this machines. Whoa, it's, this is massive. Uh, and you kind of see something come over Torch. It's very similar. <laughs> it's just kind of like hit by like a wave and his face kind of flushes and he stumbles back a little bit this is this is something something strange something dark I don't, this this doesn't feel right uh, I agree what the hell is happening uh, and as you say what the hell is happening? You hear a, a screechy voice crawl out. What do you mean it's missing? There was a final piece! Uh, and you turn and you see this man with crazy frizzy hair and a scientist smock that seems to be burned along the hem and along the sleeves. Um, and probably most notable, Christy, you see this jagged scar across one eye and you see that eye is glowing torchbearer you recognize daniel duskovitz aka professor dusk in fact it says that in the little yellow box right next to him <laughs> uh and he is like holding this goon in his hand and shaking him and he's like we we got a wire from from seattle the the superheroes came in and broke him up Ah! and then that eye glows bright and there's a flash of this dark electrical sort of energy this blast and it just washes over this goon and the goon falls down dead and all the goons kind of like stumble and look where they are at Duskwitz as his eye is smoking and smoldering and then you hear another voice Dusk, calm down. And you see the Tuskman, uh, or the Tuskman, Tussler. <laughs> um, you see the Tussler um, kind of leaning up against a corner, watching everything. He says, if you keep taking out my men like that, you're not going to have anyone to operate your machine, Dusk. And Duskovitz runs his hands through his hair. You're right. You're right. Don't worry. We can delay <laughs> a little bit longer. <laughs> no. No delays. 
It happens tonight. Alright. <laughs> You're the paying patron. You heard him, boys? It happens tonight! And you see... Uh, uh, and they all, like, stutter and stumble as they shove these objects into the receptacles. And, um, Dusk walks over to this central node of wires and buttons and levers. And he stands up. And, like, as he stands straight, like, his spine pops a little. And then he reaches out and cracks his knuckles. And he says, Alright, <laughs> let's have some fun. And then he starts turning these dials and pulling these levers. Gwen and Torch, what are you doing? Gwen immediately just looks at Torch. She's like, whatever's about to happen is not going to be good. No, we have to find some way to stop this. I just want to pull the plug on this thing. <laughs> is, is there an off switch somewhere? Uh... <laughs> Legit, you look for a button. I'm going to go look for a plug. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Gwen is uh, just going to start running in the direction of whatever panel she can find. Um, all of the panels, this entire machine is down on the ground floor, and y'all okay. are up on a catwalk, like kind of on the second level. So they haven't noticed they haven't noticed us on the catwalk yet. They have not. You think one of us should uh, try and sneak around and find some way to disable the device while the other one provides a distraction? Which one is going to be the distraction? There's a lot of history here, but... I've owed Duskowitz a knuckle sandwich for some time. And if... If you can find some way to disable it, I can keep him busy. Keep him from... Doing whatever it is that he plans to do to activate it. Well... As much as I want to go right for Tuskman... It's probably fair that I'm going to get... I'm going to sneak around a little bit better than you are. I'm I'm really bad at it. Like, laughably bad at it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then she's just going to go the opposite direction he goes in. Okay. Find my way down to the machine. Okay. I think Torchbearer just kind of fly, fly over the edge of the the catwalk, and they're, like, they're down below, right? Yes. I'm just kidding. Just kind of uh, situate himself right behind, like right above and behind Duskowitz, and then slowly lower himself down. Uh-huh. Uh, reach out and grab him by the shoulder and flip him around really quick. Duskowitz, what are you doing? Don't you touch. Oh. Torchbearer! You're quite a few miles east of Philadelphia. What are you doing here? I'm here to stop you from doing whatever it is you have planned. <laughs> Torchbearer, you can't stop this. You started it. What do you mean? If you had only given me the light, like I had asked, this, any motions to his glowing eye, wouldn't have happened. This, he motions to the machine behind him, wouldn't have happened. But you have driven me past my breaking point. And so now this is going to happen. You've lost your mind, Duskowitz. I may have lost my mind, but I have found unlimited power. 
This isn't going to end well for you. I can't let you do this. We'll see. You hear all these machine, or you hear all these guns being cocked and readied, and suddenly the the artist has drawn a panel further away, and we see all of the tussler's goons all around you with their guns drawn. Yeah, we see <laughs> we see this panel, but then we see like some lines coming out from the corner, and we see like a little circle of like a close up of Gwen as she's in the corner behind some boxes. Just just seeing all these guns turn on torch. Perfect. <laughs> Torchbearer looks at around at all the guns pointed at him and he reaches out, grabs Duskowitz by the the collar, like the lapels of his uh his lab coat. You must have forgotten what the light is capable of. And suddenly just erupts from his badge. Just this eruption of light blinds everybody. And Torchbearer tries to fly up while everybody's blinded to try and take uh, take Dusk out of there. Mm-hmm. Go ahead and roll a seize control. Okay. Uh, and let's add... You think maneuver? That's kind of what I was thinking of. Um, yeah, so go ahead and roll uh, with your maneuver. An eight. An eight. Okay, so uh, you're going to do it, but choose one. You seize control over what was contested, but your opponent attacks you in retaliation. You enter into a combat exchange, or you seize control over what was contested, but the effort exhausts you. Mark a condition. I'll let him attack me in retaliation, and we can go into action. Okay. So you're going to grab him. A light flashes, and you zoom up towards the ceiling. Um... And as you're zooming towards the ceiling, we see like this darkness emanating and kind of absorbing the light, or rather repelling the light. And he says, And Torchbearer, I think you've lived in the light too long. You've forgotten how powerful the darkness is. Let's enter into a combat exchange. Um, so, Gargagwin, I'm going to go ahead and also count you. Well... Yeah, I'll also count you and the Tussler and the uh, goons in this. Okay. So uh, the goons and the Tussler and Professor Dusk will choose first. Okay, and I have chosen. Uh, what uh, What do you want to do? I'm going to evade and observe. Okay. Because I'm still looking for a way to turn this off. I'm going to advance an attack. Okay, advance and attack. Okay, so uh, the Tussler chose to defend and maneuver. Um, and then Professor Dusk and the goons chose to advance and attack. So uh, the Tussler chose to defend and maneuver first. So uh, he is going to do that. Cool. We do not know where he is. <laughs> he is not drawn in the scene yet, but he's doing something. Uh, and then we go to advance and attack. Uh, so, Torchbearer, you chose advance and attack, so you get to go first. Roll 2d6 plus your smash. A 10. A 10, wow. All right, so you get to choose two of those. Strike, pressure, or smash. I know I want a pressure for sure. Okay. Should I just, like, try and keep him uh, keep him from evading observing? You just gotta uh, so keep him occupied, like, yeah. Yeah, I can't. So he can't like 
retain control of the controls that he's trying to manipulate for this device. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, all right, I'll pressure him, pressure him for that. Okay. And then I'll um, strike him. <laughs> okay. I like how you say, like, I guess I'll, I'll strike. Well, I'll <laughs> if I have to. <laughs> okay. Um, so you forced my hand, Duskowitz. <laughs> I'm gonna strike you. Um, <laughs> do you want... Do you want a marking uh, stress to force him to mark two stress or marking addition, or do you want him to choose? I'll take a stress to make him uh, take two. Okay, two stress. Yeah, I think that'll be fine. Okay, so uh, uh, describe for us how does what happens. He's trying to resist, and my grip kind of wavers on his clothes, <laughs> like he's trying to like. He's got, like, his eye on me, and it's kind of doing this weird, like, kind of weirdly blinding him back. Mm-hmm. So as he's trying to fly towards the ceiling, he kind of loses his uh, loses his grip a little bit and, like, wavers in his direction. And he kind of plows uh, Duskowitz into one of the steel girders that's bracing the ceiling. Mm. He just kind of, like, thrust, thrusts him backwards into it. And kind of dents it inward. Ouch! And just holds him there. Okay. So you you have not left the building yet. No. Okay. So as you kind of reach that steel girder, kind of forcing him into it, that bright or not that bright glow, that dark glow from his eye grows bigger, and he just blasts you with this energy. He is going to strike you. Uh, so go ahead and mark two stress or mark a condition, your choice. I think I'll mark two strips. Okay. So he blasts you, uh, and as he blasts you, he shouts, Don't just stand there, you fool! Shoot him! And then uh, those soldiers kind of rub the light out of their eyes, and they point up, and they start taking shots at you. They are going to pressure you, and they're going to choose... You cannot advance an attack. So like they're okay. they're shooting you, they're peltering you with their bullets, uh, and like you lose your grip on Duskovitz is like you have to shield your your eyes and your face from all these incoming bullets. Mm-hmm. Um, Geiger Gwyn, please roll right. plus investigate. Oh, that's seven. Okay, so you get to choose one. Um, I'm going to seize the position. So. You are going to just, uh, I'm going to try to establish an uh, advantageous position. So while they're all looking at them fighting and shooting towards him, that's when I'm going to be sneaking towards closer to the machine to where the any of the panels are to figure out how to turn it off. Yeah, yeah. And as you are working your way to the machine... I will now reveal the Tuskman chose to defend the machine. Uh, And he is also (laughs) going to mark one stress to block you from getting to the machine. So, uh, as you are walking towards the machine, you're getting close to that panel that Duskovitz was at. Uh, We just see the Tussler step into the frame. Gwyn. Her eyes just kind of bug out for a second. 
I always forget how big you are. You shouldn't be doing this. I can do whatever I want, Gwyn. And he starts taking off his jacket uh, and starts rolling up his sleeves. You know, we never did get to finish our fight in the Alps. <sighs> did Tiny tell you that I kicked his ass? This might be a little bit more satisfying. I saw you kick his ass. And I enjoyed it. But this... I'm gonna enjoy this a lot more. Oh my god! I'm so scared! <laughs> <laughs> this is rough. rough. Alright, so... Uh, that ends a combat exchange. Uh, before we enter into another one, because I assume we are, uh, does anyone want to make another move that isn't necessarily combat-oriented? No, I can't think of anything. Honestly. That's okay. Me neither. I mean, if we go right back, if we go back into punching, let's go back into punching. Let's do it. <laughs> oh, jeez. Okay. Okay. So, uh, NPCs will choose. All right. They have chosen. What are you going to choose? The both of yous? Defend and maneuver. I'm choosing evade and observe this time. Okay. Uh, so, they all three chose to advance and attack. Of so, uh, Geiger Gwyn, you get to go first with defend and maneuver. Oh Roll 2d6 God. plus defend. Okay, that's nine. Okay, you get to choose two. Oh, no, you get to choose one. Good grief. What's this game we're playing, y'all? <laughs> All right, so I'm going to retaliate, steal myself for their blows. Okay. Uh,. And they choose to advance and attack. Torchbearer did not, because he can't. Um, so, uh, we'll do the Tuskman first. Tuskman comes in, fist raised in that boxer stance, and he goes to just punch you right in the jaw. Uh, and he's going to strike, and he is going to mark one stress to force you to mark a condition. Um, okay, so then he automatically takes another stress, doesn't he? He does. Okay. So he, he just went to punch me, right? Yeah, so he just comes and just clocks you right on the side of the head with this fist that is almost as big as your head. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. And I gotta, I'm going to be marking... I'm going to be marking hopeless. Okay. Oof. And then how, how do you retaliate as his fist collides with your skull? Uh, so as I kind of take the hit, she's going to do... One of those defense moves, you know, where, like, as soon as it happens, you kind of try to buckle his elbow. Mm-hmm. So she's going to grab his wrist and then try to, like, hit his elbow to, like, um, force him to back off a little bit. Mm. And he grunts and kind of stutter steps, but his feet are agile, belying his size, and he just kind of dances and keeps his fists up, ready for round two. Okay, so, uh, Professor Dusk, uh, let's see like you p forced him into that thing so I think he is like hanging with both hands from this steel girder just extended above him and his eye just glows that dark color again and he just blasts you again okay I think I know what he's going to do um, he's going to choose smash so he's going to mark one stress and as he blasts you, like, his his blast catches you in the chest and forces you up as he directs his eye up. And he just kind of forces you into one of these girders. 
and uh, it kind of crumples and buckles around you along with the ceiling. And so it like comes down on top of you and forces you down. Uh, and he is going to assign you the impaired status. So you are slowed or off balance. You must Damn, mark. I'm gonna have to. Huh? I'm gonna have to say fuck you because that's exactly what I was about to do to him. <laughs> <laughs> nice. But all right, David. Uh-huh. Have, have it your way. Um. <laughs> so you are slowed or off balance. Uh, PCs must mark one stress or take a minus two to all physical actions. Um. Okay, okay, but he, he hits you, that all crumples down on top of you, and those goons just take their rifles as you're falling, and like as this rubble is piling on top of you, they're just bah, 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 just shooting at whatever they can see of you sticking out of this pile. And uh, again, they're going to pressure you uh, that you cannot advance an attack. They're trying to keep you pinned down. Uh, mm-hmm. And then I think it goes to evade and observe, so that's you. Roll 2d6 plus investigate. A seven. A seven. You get to choose one. Well, I was going to try and hinder him, but I have to bolster myself now, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, what would make the most sense? Like, using... Seize a position or, bol- or like, bolster myself to take myself out of this situation? Uh, to take yourself out of the situation? I mean, seize a position does say overcome a negative status or danger. And so, like, yep. you are pinned down by a negative status, so I guess... Mm-hmm. I mean, fortuitously enough, you chose the one thing that would get you out of this situation he put you in, so. Uh, I, I will definitely seize a position in order to try and just brute force, pushing these girders away, pushing the ceiling back up, and just allowing myself a little bit more freedom of movement. Okay. All right, and that's the end of the combat exchange. Um, Dr. Professor Dusk is hanging from the rafters, his eyes smoking and glowing. <laughs> Those goons are all like circling around Torchbearer, just laying into him with this gunfire. Uh, Gaga Gwyn and uh, the Tussler are sparring against each other right next to the machine. Do we go into another combat exchange? I suppose so. I think so. All right. Let's choose. Uh... <laughs> we just want to make the best choices. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have chosen. What do y'all pick? Advance and attack. Defend and maneuver. Okay. Uh, the Tussler chose to defend and maneuver. The Goons chose to advance and attack. And Professor Dusk chose to evade and observe. So, uh, Torchbearer, you are the PC with defend and maneuver. So go ahead and roll 2d6 plus your protect. I got nine. A nine. So choose one. Ready, retaliate, defend, or your super technique light barrier I'm gonna retaliate I'm gonna choose to retaliate okay it's like he just pushed these girders away and gotten himself like unstuck and like out of this like kind of perilous position he was in where he was kind of a sitting duck mm-hmm. but now he's he's having to think about it really quick like make a kind of combat decision where he's never fought dusk before with dusk having this power Mm-hmm. And he's already hit him with it twice and done, like, crazy damage with it. So he's going to take a second and be a little bit more reactionary than trying to run in headlong and get himself smacked. Okay. Uh, so you're retaliating. Uh, and Tuskman uh, puts up his fists, 
uh, and just kind of takes a defensive position. Um, he is choosing his special maneuver uh, called Repost. Uh, prepare to parry your foe's next attack. Block the first harm you would take this exchange and inflict two stress on that foe. <laughs> That's what he's doing. Overpowered. <laughs> Boxing a champion. (laughs) That's that's just great. Uh, He's he's built to like fight one person. So like as long as he's fighting one person, he's like doing pretty well. Um, But yeah, Geiger Gwyn, it's your choice. Well, now I gotta just hope I roll good. And then I I I realized that since I'm still angry from the last time, that's a negative two to this advance attack. So that's great. Yes. <laughs> uh, you're afraid, so it's a minus two. Oh, no. Oh, no. That's a one. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay, so how, how does your hit not land? Okay, so wait, he's he's in a position to, like completely stop whatever i'm doing right mm-hmm. he is in between you and the machine okay so i think what she's going to be trying to do is she's going to try to go to camouflage and like get around him mm-hmm. but he immediately knows where she's at and his hand just mm-hmm. kind of whips out and grabs her by the throat mm. and so she's just trapped and <laughs> she's got her hands just on his meaty paw <laughs> around yeah. her neck it's like, oh, oh, didn't work. Oops. <laughs> and he's holding you and he looks down the length of his arm at you. And he says, I've studied every move you made. Oh, creepy. I knew you'd be coming for me eventually. And I've made my preparations. I will not let you destroy this empire that I built with my own hands. Yeah, and on the backs of those smaller than you. He smiles. Capitalism, baby. (laughs) And then we go to the goons. uh, Still laying in the torchbearer, and they unload on you, and they're going to choose to strike you this time. Uh, And they're going to mark one stress to force you to mark a condition. Okay. So what you marking, torchbearer? I'm gonna mark angry. Okay. Um, in retaliation, they take a stress. They do. Okay. Uh, Duskovitz's turn. He chose to evade and observe. Uh, so he like looks. He's looking around and looking at like the distance beneath him, and he says, "Oh well." And he lets go, and he like falls the dozens of feet, and we just hear we see the onomatopoeia crack as he lands, yeah. uh, and he like grimaces and grits his teeth. But he gets up and he he hobbles towards the machine as he is seizing a position. Uh, And he gets behind the Tussler. uh, And he starts pulling those levers again, cranking up the dials. Um, Yeah, he seizes a position. So that is uh, the end of that combat exchange. Are we doing another combat exchange or... I can't think of anything else to do. (laughs) I mean, both of us kind of have to get out of this at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, combat exchange. There's only one thing I can do. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, they have chosen. Defend and maneuver. (laughs) 
<laughs> Negative two to that also. Awesome. But it's a plus two on my maneuver, so it's fine. Uh, what what did you choose, Torchbearer? All right, I'm going to advance it and attack because I can now. <laughs> All right. So uh, Tesla is doing... Uh... Oh, did I do that right? Yeah, I guess I did. I did a defend and maneuver. Um, Goon's advanced attack and Professor Dusk is evade and observe. So Christy, you did defend and maneuver. So go ahead and roll plus protect. That's a zero. So then minus two for being insecure. Oh, I rolled a 10. So that's an eight. Okay. So you get to choose one. Um, I'm going to use um, Gwen's super technique, the phase out. Perfect. So as he's holding me, she's just going to, you know, phase. <laughs> he's just going to like, <laughs> all of a sudden I'm just out of his hand. I just dropped below him. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and mark a stress to avoid all harm that will be inflicted. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good choice. Good choice. Um, okay. So you, you phase and you slip through his grasp. Uh, and as you do, he puts his fist back up and he dances in between you and Duskovitz. He is choosing to defend uh, Professor Dusk. Uh, and then it goes to advance and attack. So, Torchbearer, you're up. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my <laughs> gosh. Alright, uh, I rolled it, rolled a nine. Okay, so you get one. Uh, I want to smash this machine. I just want to get rid of it. You want to smash the machine. I want to mark one stress to destroy. <laughs> to destroy, period. <laughs> destroy. <laughs> Nothing in particular, just destroy. What do you think of that? Those apples, David. How about those apples? How about those apples? Um, (laughs) Okay, go ahead and mark one stress. If we can't completely stop them and, like, thwart their plants tonight, we can at least, you know, be a stumbling block for them. Mm -hmm. We can put something in their path. So I'll mark one stress and destroy the machine. Yeah. Okay, so uh, describe first how do you destroy this destroy this little uh, podium that Dusk is at? I see him. Um, these guys taking aim, and uh, he's kind of pushing away and like getting further into his calculations and his computations to bring this machine to life. And he sees Tuskman come from like around the other side of the machine to defend him. And Torchbearer looks down and grabs this huge chunk of ceiling and picks it up and uh, kind of just hoists it up and starts circling around like a discus. And as soon as he does a couple of twirls, he throws the huge chunk of ceiling over towards the machine. Yeah. He Hercules it? Yeah. Uh, and it smashes and obliterates this machine. Um, and uh, as you're doing that torchbearer, those guards all around you are still shooting you, still laying into you, and they're going to strike you again, and they're going to mark one more stress to force you to mark a condition. Right, I'm going to mark insecure. Okay. Um, this, so, is getting, this is getting worse by the minute. <laughs> yeah. So even though you have smashed the machine, uh, technically it's not smashed until the combat exchange is over. Um, so 
Hurry up and end it. Yeah, he, <laughs> he will still get to do his evade and observe, which is uh, he's going to still... Everybody, pass your turn. Pass your turn. Pass, yeah. your pass, 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 pass. Uh, he's still seizing uh, a position, and he's still dialing this in, and he pulls this lever, and he pulls it down, and he smiles, and just as he smiles, like this big, huge slab crashes into the the uh, control center and just obliterates it and he goes flying backwards away from it and he looks up startled his hair even more frazzled than it was and he just kind of smiles oh I have no idea what's going to happen now (laughs) what are y'all doing (laughs) um uh, and I, I guess I would describe, so uh, he pulled this lever and the machine started to whir and whine and this rock crashes into it and then electricity starts to crackle and fizzle all over the machine. Those conduits that those objects were placed into start to glow with that same dark energy that is reflected in Professor Dusk's eye. Um, and you see the, the goons kind of look at the machine their eyes wide, uh, and even Tusman kind of looks over his shoulder away from Gwen for a second as this machine starts to crackle and whir and whine, and something is something is about to happen. Um, as soon as I think we, uh, sorry, as soon as Tusman turns and is like looking at the machine that's going crazy, Gwen is gonna kind of like crawl backwards on the ground because she like dropped to it, and she's gonna head towards um, Torch. She's tr- gonna try to make her way to Torch. Okay. Uh. I think we see a panel of Torchbearer uh, in his suit. He has that mask stitch, st- uh, like stashed away, like hidden within his suit, like in his um, his jacket. Uh-huh. And it just start it, it starts to react to this energy as well, and it starts to like kind of burn through his skin or like burn through his shirt. Mm. And you can feel it. And it feel it emanating this darkness, and it just washes like waves of nausea over him. And he just looks incredibly concerned and turns to face Gwen. I don't know what's going to happen either. We should get out of here. Yep, I'm not going through this again. And Gwen is just going to get right up on him and like grab yeah, his just, grab his arm. And she's just like, yeah. <laughs> okay. As soon as she's secure, then he'll fly up towards the, the wreckage of the ceiling. Okay. So y'all just jetting out of here. Blow this popsicle stand. We came and messed it up, and then we were just like, all right, bye. <laughs> okay. So um, you uh, dash through, I guess, like breaking a hole in the roof as you exit, or like flying through a window or something? Just like the, the wreckage of the stuff that fell down before. Oh, you're right. Yeah. So you just whoop out that, uh, out into the night sky. And we night see. Night the sky is. <laughs> night the sky is. Um. And we see these goons, like, they drop their weapons and start rushing for the steel ladder that leads up to the uh, catwalk. And they're, like, pulling each other down and, like, trying to get the first up and pulling and going. Um, and we see a panel of Duskovitz standing in front of this machine, his arms outstretched. Uh, and there, there is no shadow because this isn't light. This is darkness. Um... And he's, and we see the Tussler over to the side, watching the machine whir and watching Professor Dusk. And then we have a panel of his face, his eye, 
gleefully exclaiming. He says, yes, yes, I have freed you. Come, come, spread your darkness, spread your, ah, ah. And he screams and reaches for his eye. And as we do, we see his eyes start to bulge, pull towards his machine. And then we have a panel of a dark silhouette of Professor Dusk as his back arches backwards and he screams. And we just see this orb floating away from his face, pulled towards the machine as he's screaming. at this huge word bubble just... And this machine continues to whir and build in power. And then we see this darkness start to creep out from the machine. And we see these words that are not drawn in a word bubble. They're just free-floating on the page. You have done well, Duskovitz. For too long, darkness has slumbered. Placed in prison by the torchbearer. But now I am free once again. And we see torch, or we see Professor Duskovitz like holding half of his face. We can see blood dribbling down his chin. He says, "Yes, yes, I, I have brought you forth. Give me the power that I crave." And then we just see a fist collide with the back of Dusk's head, and we see the tussler standing over Professor Dusk. Not today, buddy. Superpowers are the way of the future. And it'll be a cold day in hell before the Tussler lets this opportunity pass him by. And he walks up to the machine and he reaches out. And from the steel girders of the machine, we see this dark shadowy hand reach out and grab the Tussler's hand. We turn the page to Torchbear and Geiger Gwyn flying away. Where are you flying to? It's a great question. Some place where doing shit like that is okay, <laughs> David. <laughs> We're not okay right now. <laughs> Sorry. You. <laughs> are you okay? No, I'm not okay. <laughs> no, pretty bad. Yeah. We're both feeling pretty bad right now. <laughs> Honestly. Um, there's you just see Gwen kind of like latched on to Torch. Her hands are like around his neck now. And she's just kind of as close as possible to him. Do we just make things worse? I thought we were going to be able to do something good, but that went very bad very fast and I think it's only about to get worse. And as you say that, in the background, you see a huge explosion coming from um, Oregon State University. I hate to say this, handsome. I don't think me and you are going to cut it. Yeah. I don't think so either. We might have to see what our friends are up to. Hold tight. I'll see you. How fast I can get us there. And as Torchbear and Geiger Gwyn zoom away, we see in the bottom corner of this panel the words to be continued. 
end of episode. Screw you, David. (laughs) (laughs) Screw you. You, David. Thanks for listening to this episode of Tales to Inspire. Next episode will be released on July 17th. If you have social media, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter. Like and follow us at Misconceptions Pod for up-to-date information about the show, behind-the-scenes pictures, and just to show us your general positive feelings about the show. We also have a Discord. You can click the link below to join our Discord so that you can chat with other friends of the show and chat with other cast members directly. We also have an email. If you'd like to contact us that way, you can email us at misconceptionspod at gmail.com. This show is fully supported by the generous monthly donations of our patrons on Patreon. If you would like to join that elite group of supporters and gain access to exclusive content, please consider joining our Patreon. The Tells to Inspire theme song was composed by Esteban Del Pino. You can find out more about his music on fiverr.com slash IAM underscore W-A-K-E. Torchbearer was played by Phil Montgomery, who can be found at BMC Philanthropy on Twitter. Geiger Gwyn was played by Christy Scheidemantel, who can be found at Polish Christy on Twitter. And I'm David White, your editor-in-chief. You can find me at Mr. Banana Socks on Twitter. The role-playing game system used in this production was a modified version of the Worlds in Peril role-playing game by Sam Joko Publishing, featuring elements from the Avatar Legends role-playing game and Masks a New Generation role-playing game, both by Magpie Games. Tales to Inspire is a product of the Misconceptions Podcast Network. Find out more about our other shows and buy cool merch at misconceptionspod.com. And that's it for this week's episode of Tales to Inspire. Thank you so much for listening, and keep it nerdy, y'all. making the tussler all nasty now he's gonna be the scariest mofo <laughs> i am you not- thought he was powerful when he was just a heavyweight boxing champion yeah i was i was like repose that's overpowered <laughs> <laughs> david was like hold my beer <laughs> he said nope we're good we're good <laughs> david goes this bitch can go through walls we're not doing this <laughs> uh. Yeah, I'm sorry. So, all, I, all I can see is David in the background. This bitch. This. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, Phil and Chrissy, how are you feeling after those two episodes? Best couple ever. <laughs> <laughs> those those episodes are so fun. Oh man, I'm I'm excited for everyone yeah. to hear it. That's I really liked it because it was 
it was a dynamic that you didn't necessarily see coming, but also it was like alluded to enough mm-hmm. that yeah. it makes sense. Yeah. We want to know who is out there shipping Torchbearer and Geiger Gwyn before these two episodes. For real. <laughs> who saw it coming? Who, saw who it thinks it they coming? saw it coming? Not me. <gasps> I, I want to see the hashtag couple goals. Like, I want to <laughs> <laughs> see everybody. Like, I want to see the list of who's shipping who because there's quite yeah. a, there's there's a couple there's a couple couples. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> there's literally a couple of couples. Yeah, I like it. This is this is so cool. Like as episodes, I thought we did a really good job and told a really cool story. And this is the type of stuff that I would want to read. Like this is the stuff I would pick up in my shop. Like these are the comics I would want to read. Like the investigations and like the um, the kind of street level mm-hmm. chicanery. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, that's the, that's the best part. As soon as we finish we finish one of these episodes, my, I immediately go like, I totally would have read that. Like, I would have been so excited the entire time. Yeah. And Tussler, Tussler and Dusk are, like, characters that I really like. I know I know, I had a hand in creating one of them. Yeah. But it just, like, I think that they, like, bringing them together works just as well as, like, bringing Torch and Gwyn together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was a rough fight. Yeah, David's acting, David's portrayal of Dusk gets me. I'm just like, oh man, I'm so ready to just. Did you see me? I could knock your I block off. Look at him. I was like, no, <laughs> yeah, I know. Christy no. was hiding while I was playing <laughs> Professor Dusk. It's it's when I can't make eye contact that it gets real intense for me. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, well. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the goons had all three of their stress marked, uh, and they had one condition until they were like taken out. And then uh, Professor Dusk had three of his five stress marked, uh, and he had three conditions to be taken out. And oddly enough, that was the same for the Tussler. So yeah, they they could have gone for quite a bit more. Yeah, I think they would have edged us out. Yeah. Eventually, like we probably would have beat the mess out of each other, but I think they would they had the edge, just that slight edge where mm-hmm. we would have fallen first. Gwen Gwen is reaching the. I think she's been pushing herself hard enough where she's she's reaching the end of her rope here. I got four yeah. stress, three conditions. Mm. Me too. <laughs> oh, really? I, I came into the flight with guilty. Like, I already had a condition coming in, but I was stress-free. Mm. Yep. Got a whole bunch of stress. I mean, that was a stressful fight, so it makes sense. That was. It was. Okay, so uh, any any takeaways from that episode anything you're looking forward to uh anything you did like anything you didn't like like i said i i love these characters i I love our characters i love the villains that we Mm -hmm. have and seeing the introduction of like the darkness and how he could interact with (laughs) like tussler stepping in as like this bigger bad and how that can that interaction will go is Mm -hmm. I think that's going to be very cool. Yes. I'm not looking forward to it, David. (laughs) It's it's always that moment where you almost feel bad that you made this backstory and 
you know, <laughs> be, me and David created this Tussler guy, and now I'm like, well, now I'm legitimately scared of this dude that we made up, and I don't know how to feel about it. <laughs> Man, this, this fictional character, this fictional character is going to eat my lunch, and I can't do anything about it. <laughs> You know, you write the story of your life and you're a backup character. <laughs> you're no longer the main character in the story. <laughs> We're all Sasuke. Mm. Just, can't, just, just can't deal with it. No, yeah, the Tussler, Tussler and Professor Dusk are both very fun characters. Yeah, I'm very into it. Uh, they're, they're both from our issue or our session zero. Uh, I think Phil already came in with Professor Dust kind of ready to go, but I think uh, Tussler was uh, like just crowdsourced. He was, yeah. He was the, he was like secondary to Tiny. You know, Tiny was my main villain. Mm -hmm. And his dad was just going to be the one pulling the strings that you didn't really know about. (laughs) Yeah. Turns out. He obviously is a lot more powerful than Tiny because Tiny's a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he is. I just I want to make it like a running gag where all of a sudden you just see Tiny show up and she just has to knock him out every time. Like, yep. God, can you just go now? <laughs> yeah, just get out of here. <laughs> Didn't Not I tell now, you enough? Tiny. <laughs> now, Tiny. How many times do we have to teach you this lesson, Tiny? <laughs> what did I say, Tiny? What did I say? Yeah, these were these were good episodes. These were good. I so we had to record these episodes in two different sessions, uh, mm. and we had to delay the second session. And believe me when I tell you, it was torture waiting to play these episodes or play this <laughs> final episode again. Because I was like, I just want to live in this world with these characters. Just let me. Yeah. Yeah, if we could have made the one episode like three hours long versus splitting it up. <laughs> yeah. But it, I mean, yeah. it makes sense, but that was yeah. nice. You got to give him the end of episode cliffhangers. All right. Well, let's. Uh, I mean, if unless anybody has something else to say, let's go ahead and answer some questions. Yeah. I'm just. I'm jazzed. I love these episodes. I feel very good about them. I think people are going to dig it. Yeah. Agreed. All right. All right, so we have four questions. Uh, Which character made you feel like a welcome member of the team? Have you grown detached from the team? What dangerous threat or complicated problem did you overcome? And did you fulfill one of your drive book goals? Uh, Who would like to answer one or more of those questions first? Um, well, obviously me and Torch have, like, grown closer together, so. Yeah. We've become our own team now. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, I I don't have you a bond clock. I have a bond clock for you, but nothing is filled in, so I don't have to worry about that. But I can clear a condition, (laughs) which would be very (laughs) helpful. Um, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna clear afraid. Because for the risk of being sappy, when she's in his arm, she's no longer afraid. Oh, <laughs> gross. <laughs> Truth. <laughs> and I want to say that we overcame something, but also I truly feel like we just made it worse. 
Like as much as I want to mark an achievement and be like, look what we did. I'm like, eh. Oh wait, I wrote it wrong. It says, "What dangerous threat or complicated problem did you have a hand in creating?" <laughs> Perfect. This is <laughs> exactly what we did. I created this villain, and <laughs> we were, he's, we he's kind of ruined the world. <laughs> <laughs> so therefore, we were, I should level up right now. Yeah, we were the catalyst for creating a new supervillain. Enjoy. <laughs> Yeah, so I think uh, the only thing I can answer is that first one. The rest is kind of. Eh, okay. I didn't. I didn't fulfill a drive book either. I don't think. Uh, yeah, I forget which ones you have. The only one you have left is. Uh, move available to open when your love of violence and drive to fight makes an enemy of a friend. Me. Yeah, I don't know if that happened. I don't think so. Yeah. Uh, okay, so Torchbear, which uh, which questions are you answering? Yeah, I think that's the only one that's kind of like pertinent right there, like irrelevant. I think our bond has just kind of gotten closer um, over the last couple of ep- episodes, and yeah, we haven't had much outside outside the team action so we haven't grown detached from anybody I don't think you know what I'm excited about though when we roll up and we meet <laughs> up with the team and they're like oh my god why are they so touchy feely and like <laughs> they were roommates <laughs> <laughs> don't worry guys just yeah. my roommate I am I am excited to bring like the whole group together because it's so listeners it is April 2022. I don't think we've recorded an episode with everybody since last year. Oh Holy my shit. Goodness. Is that true? That's that's crazy. You just blew my mind. Yeah, I I, I really don't think we have because uh the inauguration stuff uh, omission wasn't there. Oh my gosh, have um, you been recording that long already? We've been recording this show since last summer. We're about to be on our one year anniversary of recording this show. <laughs> Ooh, damn. That needs to be the finale, but is it going to be? Hmm. Dun dun dun. We'll see. Do you uh, judge? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I am excited to have the whole team back together again just so we can have our our team chemistry but also like to see for everyone to see how their characters have grown since the inauguration when they last saw each other it's gonna be an avengers moment yeah like age of ultron like oh my god yeah yeah i think this is gonna be really cool everybody's kind of had their personal growth and or like in some way or form Mm -hmm. and i think it's gonna be really cool to come back to it and show and show them this cool new villain that we made up. <laughs> guys, look at this thing. It's worse than Uberminch. Let's fight it. They're gonna, guys, they're, they're gonna run into it, and we're gonna be like, we had nothing to do with this. Don't. <laughs> it was nothing. I don't, I don't know what was that, you guys. This is also my first time seeing this. <laughs> David asked us to choose the form of our destroyer. <laughs> <laughs> we chose a heavyweight boxing championship. <laughs> the least threatening thing I could think of. 
uh yeah yeah well um that is gonna wrap it for this episode everybody thank you so much for listening uh phil and christy thank you for these dynamic episodes um very excited for people to listen to these and, me too um, the story you've made is very good and i'm so happy to be a part of it no too. phil the story we've made <laughs> this collaborative storytelling is fantastic david <laughs> yeah it is and your curation of it is top notch okay i'll, I'll accept that thank you <laughs> all right well uh good night or good morning or whatever time of day it is everybody good afternoon good night good night <laughs> good, good afternoon good evening and good night. Pew.